Good morning, everyone. Wasn't that great when everyone was standing up here? Okay, we, we figured that this summer we're sending out 550 people from our battleship right here called Wheaton Bible Church all over our county to several nations of the world and cities of the United States and Canada. Fascinating. Now here's how my mind works. I think of 550 people then I think that each of them is going to work about a week, okay? Going to, say, multiply it by seven, like a full week, a backyard Bible club, okay? They're only five days. We'll give them the benefit of seven. So you take, you take 550 people that we're sending out, all these incredible high school people and middle schoolers here, and you add that all up. We are going to be giving 3,850 witness days into our world, in, in just in the summer. 4,000, 4,000 days of witness because of course every one of those people is, is doing that. Now, but watch this. In our congregation, we believe that we have 7,000 active adults that are in our congregation. I know you're saying, do they all come each Sunday? No, just like you, they come every other Sunday. Okay. So, but, but we got about seven. Now of those 7,000 adults, you're all in the workplace. In the workplace, in a factory, in a store, in, in, in a high-rise building, in, in your home as a stay-at-home mom or dad. Uh, students, you're at work when you go to school. This work. Now, if you take those 7,000 people we've got, watch this now, watch this. And you multiply that by work days in a year, figure 250 work days a year. 7,000 people out there sent 250 days a year is 1,750,000 witness days. 1,750,000 witness days. Dave, I double-checked my math. My scientist is in the second row. He's looking at me. I, I think I got this right, buddy. So I'm super pumped that 550 are going out from here for one really strong week or a, a, a couple, et cetera. It's great. But every year, because you are where God places you in schools and workplaces, Around us here, 1,750,000 witness days. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Hey, let me, okay, question. Everybody gets to play this game. Here we go. All right. Those of you who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I realize some of you are here visiting and you're investigating Christianity. We couldn't be more pleased. But for those of you that are regulars and you know that you've been saved by Jesus Christ, here's your question. I want you to try to think of the person who was most helpful for helping you find God. Who was most helpful in your journey toward God? Might have been, uh, uh, it, was it a pastor? Uh, was it an evangelist? Was it a missionary? Was it a professional Christian? Pastor, missionary, evangelist? Or was that person 
a normal person, <laughs> a regular person who works in the real world, or a, a, a mom, a dad, a neighbor, a co-worker, okay? Professional versus normal. First of all, how many of you, I'm gonna jump up here, how many of you are able to, re, to think of one person that was especially helpful in you coming to know God personally? Put your hand up, please. Okay, look around, everybody. This, this is like we're in the classroom here, okay? Even the balcony is responding. This is astounding to me, all right. That's my gang up there, all right. Now, okay, now you've identified that person. Okay, watch this. For those of you who just raised your hand, how many of you have identified that person as a professional Christian? Pastor, missionary, evangelist. Hands up and hold them up. Balcony? Well, there aren't many. How many is it a normal person? Bingo, all right? That's why God sends his people to the world. When I first saw that illustrated in, in an international congress, I was blown away because I was a pastor. I knew that the salvation of the world was really because of me. <laughs> no, it's because of you. <laughs> And, and so what we do here on Sunday is this is a refueling station. This is, this is where you come on Sunday or during the week and you get refueled. Remember what Pastor Rob said to us. He wants us to think of our church as an aircraft carrier. Not a cruise liner where everybody comes just to have fun and eat and be with one another. I mean, there's value there, but we're not a cruise liner. He says we're an aircraft carrier. An aircraft carrier is simply a repository where all those planes come in to get refueled so they can go out and carry their payload to the world. And your payload and my payload is the good news of Jesus Christ lived through our lives. I mean, every time I watch Top Gun now, I can't do it the same way. <laughs> Further on the edge, da -da 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 -da. Yeah. that's you, that's me. That's us taking Jesus to our world. So, we're in the midst of a series on redeeming work. The theme for this morning is work and witness. Work and witness. Because it's all about the 7,000 of us that go out there every work day of the year. And it's all about normal people, not the pros. Okay, let's look at the person I think is the most astounding example in the whole Bible of what this looks like. If you have a Bible, open it to Daniel chapter six. Daniel chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, turn one on. If you aren't turning it on and need to borrow one, we've got it on the, on the back of the seats there and we're on page 880. As you're turning to that, I want to introduce someone who doesn't know I'm going to introduce him, but we just got word that one of our dear partners from Africa has just joined us all the way from Kenya, and he preached here a couple of uh, years ago. Pastor Simon, would you be willing to stand up and give a, a shout out and a wave to everybody? Great to have you, brother. And we partner with Pastor Simon and his great church, Parklands Baptist Church in, in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And then from there, we're actually helping them do outreach throughout Kenya. 
This is something God's about. Thank you, brother. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. All right, everybody. Are you ready for Daniel? Okay. Daniel is a workplace uh, minister. He's not one of the pros. He's a normal person. Okay. What kind of business is he in? Somebody? Come on. This is response time. Government. He's in the government. All right. Daniel comes at a period of time in history when two great empires rule most of the earth and he's a leader in both of them. The first one is Babylon, the second one is Persia. Would you like to see what his, uh, the, how far his company uh, had influence? Look at this. This is the Persian Empire, circa 450 BC. F to the far, far east, clear to the river Ganges and India, all the way into Europe and down through Greece. That was the Persian Empire. Massive influence over most of the world and that empire lasted for over 200 years. Daniel is a government worker for Persia. Not just any government worker, he's an exile. Now Pastor Rob has been giving us exile language for months again. And I, we have people say, well what do you mean by exile? Here's what exile meant then. He was raised in Judah, Judah was conquered, and as one of the young leaders of his society, he was taken to another land. He was in exile there. When we use that term today here in the U.S., we are saying the church is becoming an exile in American society. Whereas we were the majority, we are now, in our worldview, the minority. So he's a workplace minister, number one. And number two, he's in exile. Perfect for us to study. Oh, incidentally, he started out as a high school person. We think he was between ages 15 and 18 when he was captured. And these six chapters of Daniel take him through 70 years of life. So shall we say 18 to 88? All right, chapter six, verse one. Persia has just conquered Babylon and rules most of the world. It pleased Darius, the emperor. Darius, also Cyrus. Uh, not going to go into that now, but think of Darius and Cyrus as one. And it pleased the king to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Verses 1 and 2. Daniel is one of three regional executives over the empire. A third of the Persian empire is under his leadership. He rules it with the armies and he collects taxes for the Persian uh, monarchy. Okay? Now Daniel, verse 3, so distinguished himself among the administrators that the satraps... By, uh, uh, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Verse three. This is important and it's also where the problems start. Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps, his exceptional qualities. In, in the workday world, we call this competencies. His skill set. The things God had given him when he was born that he would be brilliant at. His experience and his training made him an unbelievable world leader, okay? He was so good that the emperor of Persia is going to assign him to be number two. He's about to become Joe Biden, okay? 
All right, and I don't want any, you know, political stuff. Okay, well that should make everyone happy, right? No, verse four. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They couldn't find any corruption in him. Because he was trustworthy, he was neither corrupt nor was he negligent. So when you think of workday world and leadership principles, number one, he was incredibly confident. His skill set was unbelievable. And he, he did excellent work. But it went farther than that. His character was unassailable. He didn't lie. He didn't cheat. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't steal money. He wasn't a power grabber. He wasn't selfishly ambitious. And so when you define Daniel, you define Daniel as Daniel equals character plus competency at a level hardly ever seen. But there's one more thing about him. And for this, I take you now down to verse 5. Finally, the other men said, all the leaders of the empire, we'll never find any basis for charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his what? God. All right, here we go. You knew this already, that Daniel was a God guy. But this is the introduction of it in Persia. Unless it's about his God, we'll never bring him down. Verse six, so these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king, and they said, King Darius, King Cyrus, will you live forever? And the royal administrators, verse seven, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors, have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that says anyone who prays, do you see this? We're in verse, I think it's eight now, the end of seven, Anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, I'm not going to take any more time with this. First of all, it was actually prudent to do this. Persia had just conquered Babylon. Persia now had this massive land. How were they going to control it? With religions everywhere. Stop the religions, force servitude to the emperor. And, and only pray to him. Okay? They can enforce that with their massive armies. But the 30 days thing, what's that about? I would think you'd want it to be a little longer. They didn't have social media then. That word's not even going to get to the far parts of the empire for 30 days. So the 30 days thing's a little surprising. What's going on here? Well, not only are they trying to find a way to pull the whole kingdom under the power of the emperor, they're also out to get Daniel. Keep reading. So King Darius, verse 9, puts that decree in writing. No one can be prayed to but the emperor. Verse 10, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had always done before. He knew this law had been passed. Here's what it doesn't say. 
Let me read this a different way. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room. He closed the windows, pulled the shades so that no one would see him get on his knees and pray to God. Nope. Windows open, praying southwest toward Jerusalem to the God he had always followed and would always pray to. David, I'm sorry, Daniel is first and foremost about his relationship with God. It had always been that way. So when you think of Daniel, here's how you define Daniel. Daniel equals God, which results in character and competency. Center of his life. He's not about to stop it. God first, not God also. God now, not God later. God all the time, not God some of the time. God. And it's the Lord God Jehovah of the Old Testament, right? He's a sterling example to us. Uh, even King Darius, Cyrus, saw this. Because a little bit later, when Daniel's about to be thrown in the lion's den, Darius actually gives him a backhanded compliment. The emperor says, the emperor who'd passed the law that's going to kill him, then says, Daniel, may the God that you have served continually save you now. And he meant it. He meant it. God first, God forever, and most of all, God out in the open. It is so easy for us to, to hide our faith. And, and I don't work in the workplace world. I'm one of the professionals. that I, I'm on the aircraft carrier where you come for refueling, okay? And, and so I don't pretend to know, although I, I, I work some in the workday world. I know that you have to be careful about exposing your faith when, how much, all that sort of thing. But let me say this. You are to expose your faith. And you can't just display it. You've got to tell it. Otherwise, they're not going to know where it came from. So how do you do that? Well, Daniel, every day, windows open, kneeling down, southwest toward Jerusalem. He probably lived on the 10th story of the palace. He's the number two guy in the whole empire. He did this for all to see. This is not hidden. It's wide open. He becomes our example in that. God wants you to find the way to do it in your world. It, it takes courage. And, and this is where I pause just very briefly and say, I know it's frightening. Because it's still frightening for me. <laughs> I get paid to talk my faith. I have a doctorate in talking my faith. Why would I still be scared? But I am. I get it. There's all sorts of reasons why. But all I have to say today is, that doesn't matter. Your faith is stronger than your fear. Your love is greater than your trepidations. And so our Lord God Jehovah says, talk about me. Let it be known whom you follow. Now, you can do that. You can start that talking, if you will, by not talking. Uh, by symbols. Uh, Daniel didn't stop the minute of, uh, 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 in the middle of a cabinet meeting in Persia and say, all right, everybody, stop. I'm getting down on my knees and I'm praying right now and I'd like you all to join me. I'm forcing you into my faith. No, no, no. He did it on his own time. But boy, did they know he did it. Symbols. Uh, a symbol might be that you keep a, a Bible 
on your desk or at your cubicle or it's a pin that you wear as you stand and you serve people from a McDonald's and it might just say God loves you or, or I love Jesus. You can start your outward witness in the work world with symbols. A woman came up to me after first hour, beautiful cross on. And on the back of it, it had carpe diem, seize the day. Even jewelry can be a way of expressing that you have an association with something that isn't normal with God himself. But it needs to go farther than that. Farther than that. Listen or read what Jesus Christ said about being open with our faith. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Wow. So friends, normal people, the 7,000 of Wheaton Bible that are out there every day, God wants you to show the way to live and tell of your faith in your work world. It's workplace witness that we are talking about. Well, the story goes on. Verses 14 through 20, I, I don't have time to read them, but what happens here is the king realizes that the decree that he has made is going to condemn Daniel. And the king goes hard to work trying to find any way he can to overturn his own decree. And he can't make it happen. It's a law of Persia now. He knows that he's been trapped and Daniel is as good as dead. All right? And that takes us uh, down to verse 16. So the king gives the order. They brought Daniel. They threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought, verse 17, placed over the mouth of the den. It, it was sealed with the king's own signet ring. And then look at verse 18. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, with no entertainment, and he could not sleep I actually think that Darius Cyrus was fasting and praying to whomever he thought was God that Daniel might somehow be saved I don't know how Daniel got verbal and and in the king's ear beyond the governance of Persia but Daniel had made enough of impression as a man and as a worker that the king cared about him this staying up all night is more than just losing a good employee right interesting verse 19 at the first light of dawn the king got up he hurried to the lion's den and when he came near to the den he called out to Daniel his servant he said Daniel servant of the what's the next term there living God the Persians didn't believe in the one God of Israel but this guy does. He's converted the king. The servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, yeah. Okay, that, that, that's a paraphrase. <laughs> May the king live forever. My God, verse 22, sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. 
They haven't hurt me. Why? Because I was found innocent in my God's sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, my majesty. The king was overjoyed. He gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, and I have this underlined, no wound was found on him. Not a scratch. No wound. The God of Israel had saved him from the wounding of the lions. Well, you know the story. We love the story. It's one of the great stories. The king is overjoyed, and the the king is really mad at the people that caused this trap, so they all get thrown in the lion's den, and it says the lions started tearing them apart before they even got to the ground. So these were hungry lions. But Daniel was saved. The emperor was rejoicing. But the emperor does more. Now look with me at verse 26. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of whom? Of Daniel. He is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. This is the king of the world declaring about the living God. He rescues and he saves, verse 27. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And this king will do one more thing. It's the first year of his reign. Read with me now what is shown that this king does in Ezra chapter 1. This is what Darius slash Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. God saves Daniel. Daniel converts Darius Cyrus, and Cyrus saves the Jewish people like that. You just don't know what your witness can do. You have no idea that a few words that you utter, a prayer that you give to a co-worker, what that can do. It saved the Jewish people. That's part of the reason we love this story. But how in the world do we apply it to our own lives? I tried to get at that in the beginning. I I tried to talk to you about 1,750,000 thousand work days where you are in your businesses and your workplaces and your neighborhoods and your households and your schools it's no mistake that God has chosen to give his gospel to all of his people not just the professionals because wherever we go we carry the story of the great king Jesus Christ and may I say this You know why I told you about that wounding thing? Because it hit me like a ton of bricks. I have not been wounded at all, your majesty. God saved Daniel from any wound. But this is the God who will five years hence, 500 years hence, be willingly wounded to death for the world. 
The God of whom we speak is the one who gives his life, if you will, torn to pieces on the cross of Calvary in order to rescue the whole world. You see, there's Christology even in the story of Daniel. This is the one we represent in our schools and in our workplace. How do we do it? Well, in our, our church, we often use a, a witness strategy that's easily remembered. It needs to be easy and simple if we're going to be able to do it in our workplaces. And we call it the prayer, care, share strategy. Praying for people, caring for people, and sharing with people. Prayer. Do you have a prayer list of coworkers, of friends at school who don't know Jesus? I mean, that's where you start. You just start praying for people regularly that they'll come to know the God of Daniel, the Jesus Christ who died for their sins and raised from the dead. You just start praying. You, you, you start each day. You say, Lon Allison reporting for duty. Who do you want me to touch with a word of your love today? Who, who on the phone? Who on social media? Who at the counter? One of the best stories that I have on this came from the man who wrote our devotions this week for us as a church, Gene Carlson. And Gene is Matthew and Catherine McNeil's, uh, Catherine's dad. Uh, for many, many years, Gene was a, a pastor of small churches. But he moved closer to be with family. And, and as Gene says, uh, my parish is now McDonald's. And he gets up early every morning he's on the opening shift and he's at McDonald's on Main Street in Wheaton and here's what he says my position behind the counter gives me the opportunity to listen to the concerns of those who come being one of the first people folks interact with in the morning offers me the chance to speak words of encouragement or prayer for a need if you haven't read the devotions of this week you, you gotta do it you want to watch the McDonald's evangelist at work just loving people, helping the homeless. That's how you do it. Prayer. Care. Gene also provides care. One of the stories of this week is him going out of his way to help a homeless man that he'd met at McDonald's that he helped give coffee to who got very sick and put Gene down as next of kin. And Gene's the one that took him to the hospital to try to save his life care the, these extraordinary acts of love that we pour out on our co-workers and our world it's like our own care fest uh, 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 three weeks ago we sent a thousand people out into this this area we went to 42 different places and we just exposed people to the love of god through our hands watch this you can dance to it
<laughs> How many of you did that? How many of you were involved in that? Well, give yourselves a hand. That's a good thing. We do that once a year to make a great splash into our, our, our county. But it's also the, so that we remember to be doing it every day in our work world and in our neighborhoods, in our homes. That's uh, great. Prayer and care. But may I say a thing about the care? Sometimes people say, if I just show them my love, somehow they'll mysteriously know that it comes from Jesus Christ who died for sins and rose from the dead. I know God will get that out there somehow. No. It's show and tell. <laughs> it's, it's always deeds and words together. So when you love somebody extraordinarily, find some way to just say, God loves you and, and I wanted to too. Yeah, that's a witness right there. Prayer, care, and yes, share. The Bible says always be ready to give an answer for everyone who asks you about the hope that you have. And so, brothers and sisters, young and old, we carry within us the greatest story ever told. We're living it. Jesus Christ has died to forgive our sins. Jesus Christ dwells in us now through his Holy Spirit. And the reason that God hasn't come back yet, the reason he's left us here, is there's a whole lot of more people that need to know. Words and deeds and prayers. Words and deeds and prayers. I like that. I've never done it. Uh, words and deeds and prayers. This is why there's 7,000 of you in strategic locations throughout this county every week. Daniel, dare to be a Daniel. That's our calling. Now, um, just before I, I, I pray, I want to... Uh, you know, we're really serious about this as a church. And that's part of the reason why I announced last week that we've decided that we're going to take a one-time extra offering to help us get out there with our summer programs, to help us start the new campus in Streamwood, to help us do outreach in men's ministry, women's ministry, children's ministries. And so um, I can now tell you what date it's going to be. Start praying for it now. June 19 is the offering Sunday. That's when we commence this thing. And uh, if the Lord uh, would lay it upon your heart to give an above your normal giving, all, every cent is going to go to our outreach. So I encourage you to do that. So those of you in the workplace, God has placed you there. And you witness where you work. Now, as we've been saying for the last several weeks, work is important because it provides provision. And work is important because whatever it is that you do, God wants to use to help his world to flourish. Selling hamburgers or conducting mergers of corporations. But three, and it must never be forgotten, is we are God's mighty air force carrying the payload of the gospel wherever God sends us. Pray with me. Father, unto you we commit these words, and I pray that you would make us 7,000 wonderful workplace witnesses until Jesus our Lord returns. Amen.